0: In the Gospels, Jesus asks his disciples an important question. Who do you say I am? Over 2000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry, team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am?
1: Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that He is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. Welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us.
2: Hi, this is Ann DeSantis here with the Sewing Hope podcast here on Patchwork Heart Ministry. My co-host Bill Snyder is unable to join us this evening, but I have an amazing guest for you this evening. I have Elaine Goldsmith. She is the uh, a clinical psychologist and also an author. Elaine, thank you so much for joining me on Sewing Hope.
3: Well, thank you for the invitation. It's so glad to I'm so glad to be with you.
2: I'm glad you're here with us too. Now, here I am in the Philadelphia area and you're out in California. My co-host is actually right in the middle. He's in Wisconsin, but he's uh-huh. not able to join us this evening. Um, but let's just get right to what you're doing. Um, so what okay. led you to work on, uh, on what you, the, what, the work that you did with Love with, with Your Brain, A Practical Approach to Lasting Romance? Tell us about that.
3: Okay. Um, l- let me get into a little bit about My work with relationships, that's... Please do. Okay. Um, I've done a lot of different things uh, to try to make relationships work better. Uh, It's been a tough uh, topic, a tough area. Relationships are difficult. Um, The thing that concerned me the most were the statistics and the future outlook for relationships and marriage. I I think most people are aware that only 50% of marriages survive, but 62% of living relationships fail. And if it leads to marriage, then that marriage will have a 50 to 80% greater chance of failing. That's significant. Uh, When Pew Research Center surveyed couples in 2019. And then again, in 2020, only 53 to 54% reported their relationships were going very well. Sadly, that's about the same percentage of marriages that fail. Um, We have 35 million people who are looking for love on the internet. And confronted with dishonesty and misrepresentation, it it just doesn't get better. Uh, Millennials who are considered a generation of divorced parents have declining rates of marriage. Uh, In fact, by the year 2030, 13 to 18% fewer women will marry by age 40. It's, it's been discouraging uh, despite the time that, and money we've spent on marital therapy, um, m- marriage preparation courses, and even relationship books. They're not improving. The statistics are not improving. It's a real problem. And we need a better approach to relationships. And it needs to work for couples not only who are dating, but even those couples who have been together for decades. Uh, Major universities across the country have stepped up and invested in relationship and marriage research labs. These experts understand that there's a problem and they're working to find the answers. Uh, I've heard from numerous uh, directors of these research labs um, from Northwestern, uh, Yale and UCLA as well as other major universities across the country. I've heard from professors in departments of psychology, marriage and family studies and theology, from a number of um, faith-based universities. I've received support from faith-based leaders and organizations such as uh, Dr. James Dobson from Family Institute and Glenn Stanton of Focus on the Family and many more. I've also heard from leaders of youth ministries and I'm very grateful for their support and encouragement. But it all started with a question I wanted to know. I wanted to know the answer to why so many crazy in love couples ended up full of hate in divorce court. It was a question that haunted me. It was a question that I knew there was love in the beginning, but somehow their love withered And it turned to hate. So first I had to identify the cause of the problem. It evolved over time. When I worked with psychotherapy patients, it was their perception that their partners had changed. But change is difficult. And a person might change a behavior or two, but we remain pretty much the same throughout our life. By, by looking at their histories though and asking the right questions, I was able to see that issues that ended their relationships were there from the beginning, but were more subtle. The problem was they didn't have all the information they needed in the beginning. Think about the process of buying a house. You hire people to inspect the roof, the electrical, the plumbing, maybe a pool, the structural integrity, and then you have an appraiser who estimates the value of the home. Okay, so then you buy the house. Well, then you get a warranty to fix whatever might have been missed that goes wrong. Well, choosing a partner is quite different. There are no inspectors, no appraisers. It's just not an information intensive process. And there's certainly no warranty with a partner. So think about this. Before you meet a partner, they've had a whole different life for 18 years or more with a lot of other people influencing them. Then we try to blend those two lives together. That's difficult.
2: Yes, now thank you so much. I mean, you have such a wealth of information because you've done so much work as a clinical psychologist and as an author. And somebody really cares about marriage too, right? I mean, it's, yes. it's all of these um, things that come together to make you who you are and, your, and the ministry, the work that you're doing to be so meaningful. Um, so you talked a little bit about identifying the cause of the problem. Um, so what influenced the process, uh, the approach about these relationships? Um, what, what influenced the process? Okay. Um,
3: my approach is idea-driven. Uh, I have a deep desire to change the way people think and approach relationships. So how they think about it and how they approach it. It became became clear to me uh, in a research study in which divorced spouses regretted that they didn't know more about their partner before marriage. That, that's an illuminating fact that shouldn't be taken lightly. It, it crystallized for me what my approach needed to be. And it became the basis of my book, Love With Your Brain. Uh, it's an approach to relationships that's based on information because information is the key. Partners need a deeper understanding of each other, and they need to look in the right places. We're talking about some very unfamiliar places. But lead with your brain guides partners in finding that missing information. We've had less than a perfect plan of action for love. We were told, follow your heart, which means... to your feelings. Well, it's true that emotions are processed by the brain, but they're not the higher order cognitive functions. These executive functions of the brain are needed to make a critical analysis of any situation. My approach utilizes the CEO type functions of the brain instead of putting them on the back burner and letting your emotions take over. A critical analysis of your relationship prevents those devastating surprises that tell you that you're not with the person that you thought you were with. It's the key to having a relationship that works. Mm,
2: That's really beautiful. And there's so much of a science to everything that you're talking about. And, and, and as, as you've said, I mean, you put so much time and effort into really learning about this and it questioned, it haunted you, didn't it? I mean, the questions haunted you. Um, And so you talked about that faulty plan of action for love. So how does love with your brain help relationships? Tell us a little more about how it would help people.
3: First and foremost, it teaches the principles of effective decision-making and improves your decisions. It has three crucial parts. First, it takes a deep dive into who you are and what you need, but it's not about changing you. Second, it teaches you How to know your partner by what they do, not just what they say. Third, it looks at the way you and your partner interact and it enhances that interaction. Love with your brain is truly the closest thing to having a relationship
2: coach. Oh, I love that. A relationship coach, doesn't everybody need that? Um, What's the typical scenario for a couple?
3: Oh, okay. Well, let's say you meet, you fall in love, you start thinking about marriage, you get married, you have a nice big wedding, and you go on your honeymoon. Once you're back home, you start to feel the pressure of life. And then the anxiety starts to build. Your partner says something that feels like criticism. So you you become defensive because it reminds you of maybe some negative experience in the past. Now your partner starts to get defensive. It turns into a major blow up. Because hurtful things, ugly things are now said and done. Over time you make up, but you've started to build a little resentment for each other. Maybe because of the original conflict. Maybe it was because some of the things that were said and done during the conflict. The same scenario will play out over and over again until The love withers, and there's no love left. The great thing about love with your brain is that the ultimate goal is to preserve and restore love rather than let it destroy itself.
2: And to let it destroy itself. I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's so much to contemplate even right there. And nobody wants that to happen. I don't think nobody goes into marriage saying, I think I'll get divorced. You know, most people go in with, with good intentions. Um, So how is love with your brain? How can it help change the statistics?
3: Okay. The first way is by helping people make better choices. Second, would be by giving couples a better understanding of themselves and each other and identifying and eliminating their issues. Uh, There are a few facts about love with your brain that will help you understand how that's possible. It's multidimensional. It gives you a comprehensive view of the partners in a relationship. It's looking at the whole person rather than parts of the partner. It uncovers the facts as they exist. It teaches the art of knowing what's happening in your relationship at all times. It leads to those better relationship decisions It walks you through the minefields of relationships, and there are plenty of those at times. It uncovers what I call the agitators and destructive forces of the relationship. It considers partners from their childhood experiences to their adult needs. It reveals puzzling and mysterious actions of behavior. And those can be covert, where it's difficult to understand what's actually going on. It highlights negative patterns that erode love. It exposes differences in couples, uh, preferences and personalities. It's about evaluating and improving a relationship. It stresses negotiation and compromise where there are differences. In the end, it uses tools and techniques such as introspection, situational awareness, information processing and behavior analysis toward a better relationship.
2: Beautiful. I mean, I I love how much time and effort and work and study that you have gone into the work that you do. I think that's incredible. Uh, Bill and I, although Bill is not here with us on this podcast, I know that he is probably very blessed that you're a guest on uh, the Sewing Hope podcast. Um, So tell us who can be helped by this book?
3: Everyone who wants a committed relationship Uh, that could be someone who's just starting to date or thinking about dating. It could be someone who has been in a dating relationship for a while, but would like to proceed toward marriage. But it's also uh, helpful to anyone who's been in a committed relationship who wants to evaluate their relationship or who wants to improve their relationship or marriage.
2: Yes, improving your relationship or marriage is like, it's so key. And, um, you know, I don't think that what you're talking about is just for young people. I mean, these are things that can help people of all ages. Um, You know, I just so happen to represent a Catholic foundation that helps families in crisis and, and marriages. And we do a lot with marriage enrichment. So I just make a shout out to my own audience uh, with the St. Raymond and Otis foundation. And of course, also this audience of patchwork heart ministry and the sewing hope podcast. Yeah. Cause I really do think that your book love with your brain by Elaine Grossmith is a, a wonderful book that you should all check out. Um, tell us how would they keep in touch with you after this podcast is over and they, they want to stay in touch.
3: Well, the book's not published yet, but it is in process. So I've created a Facebook group called Love With Your Brain. Interesting title. And I'm inviting your audience and you to join me in the group. I I can answer questions about the book and have ongoing conversations with the group members about relationships. Uh, so whether you're dating or you've been in a relationship for decades or married, I hope that you and your audience will join me on, in love with your brain and we can share ideas with each other.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Facebook great groups are very good for that because it's a way for people to get to know one another Um, so please, I ask all of you to do connect, uh, with Elaine Gross-Smith, um, on that Facebook group. Now, um, we're not quite over with this podcast, but was there anything else that you wanted to share with this audience about you or about your work?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, something that would, might be interesting is, um, how did I develop this idea? What did I do once I knew what I wanted to look for? How how did I develop it? Well, I looked at a lot of research. I read what a a lot of experts were saying. And one thing that was very interesting was uh, two psychologists who are researchers, Dr. Uh, John and Julie Gottman, found that 69% of couples conflicts were due to differences in their preferences and personalities. And even more shocking than the 69%, these conflicts are unsolvable and perpetual. So that says that if, I, for example, uh, love to spend money. And let's say my husband loves to save money. That's a major area of contention. We have a difference in our way of handling money. That's something that will remain unsolvable and perpetual. And in fact, That issue is one of the top uh, issues that ends relationships is money problems. So there are other types of problems. Maybe I like the chips with ridges in them. Maybe my husband likes the smooth ones. Well, those are differences, but those are solvable. Solvable. We can buy both bags of chips. I'll have my rich potato chips like Ruffles. He'll have a smooth potato chips. So that's not an issue. Let's say, for example, he uh, comes from a dysfunctional family and doesn't want to be near a family anymore. I come from a family maybe that gets together or used to get together all the time and big family gatherings. And I want to continue that. That's a major issue that could remain unsolvable and perpetual. Those are what we look at in love with your brain. We look at those differences. We look at differences in preferences and differences in personalities. So another area that I uh, gathered information from, I was looking for what the experts had to say about how do you make good decisions what are the practices of making good decisions so i came across a book written by again a clinical psychologist dr david welch and he points out that every decision you make should make something you want happen but there's a formula for, for making those good decisions. You first have to know what you want. You have to know yourself thoroughly. You have to know, well, let's see, do I like uh, grapefruit juice? Do I like orange juice? Do I like water? What do I like when I wanna drink of water, for example? You have to know, uh, what it is, what your goal is. Let's say you, your goal today is to, you're, you're very thirsty, so you want to quench your thirst. Well, what are your options? Well, you could have a bag of potato chips, but if you know your options well, you know potato chips aren't going to quench your thirst. But here's a glass of water and a glass of lemonade. Now. One of those will quench your thirst. So how it applies to relationships is you have to know everything about yourself and you have to know everything about your partner. Because in the end, you have to know what your goals are and whether that partner is going to end up satisfying what you want and what you need if they're not going to satisfy it, like the salty potato chips will not satisfy your thirst, you have to know that up front, because years down the road, it will be a major problem if you're not attaining your goals. So those those two things, those two areas were very influential in writing the book.
2: Hmm. You did such a great job. I'm very excited for you and I'm excited for this book. And uh, I'm anticipating that our audience will go and check out uh, that Facebook page that you mentioned. Um, We're going to be ending. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end this podcast, Elaine? Well, I would
3: say start with your, um little little mission statement which i love by the way sowing hope into broken hearts Mm -hmm. this is a tough tough area um we're complex human beings of course so it's difficult but keep that hope because hope is on the horizon we have universities working hard to try to research and find the answers. And we have a great book, Love With Your Brain. I hope they will join your group of Love With Your Brain. And I will let them know uh, any information I have on the release
2: date. Sounds wonderful. Elaine, it's really an honor to have you on Sewing Hope. You're, You're very knowledgeable in terms of relationships, with your background in clinical psychology as an author and a researcher. Um, so I want to thank you on behalf of Patchwork Heart Ministry and Bill Snyder and myself for being a guest on Sewing Hope. Thank you very much, Anne. Thank you all. We'll see you all next week on the Sewing Hope podcast. Keep, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sewing hope in broken hearts. This is Anne DeSantis. See you then.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope, on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andesantis2.
0: In the Gospels, Jesus asks his disciples an important question, Who do you say I am? Over 2,000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures, and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network, and Patchwork Heart Ministry, team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin, to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am?
1: Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith yearning to know if the seed planted in them, as a child, is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278.